0: Okay, let's get it. It is Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST. And right here for the Locked on LSU podcast, Ed Ogeron raves about who he thinks could be a breakout player in 2020. One Tiger star acknowledges he will play in 2020. No chance of opting out. And we'll start, though, with who might see LSU play in 2020. And that's a decision that very likely is going to come down to the governor of the state of Louisiana. And John Bell Edwards was meeting with reporters on Tuesday. And during that conversation, the idea of fans in Tiger Stadium did come up. As we know, and we've talked about here on the podcast, LSU has kind of been weighing where their lot is in this conversation. Meaning, right now, Louisiana is in phase two, and the governor has now extended phase two for two more weeks, so that goes to the end of August, for all intents and purposes. Well, Phase 2 allows for 50% capacity. The question is, does that 50% capacity extend to Tiger Stadium, which is an outdoor venue? LSU would like to think it does, so it can have half of its capacity. But if social distancing is required, then that means LSU's capacity for this year in Tiger Stadium if social distancing is required, six feet, would drop below 20%, so around or just less than 20,000 fans in Tiger Stadium. And obviously, that is a massive financial chasm for LSU, the difference between having 20,000 fans and 50,000 fans in Tiger Stadium. You're talking about over the course of five games, several million dollars per game. You're talking tens of millions of dollars in budgetary difference if, LSU is allowed to have 20,000 or 50,000 fans in Tiger Stadium. Well, last week, Virg Osberry on hanging with Hester and Haney said that you know, if they move into Phase 3, and which is possible certainly by the time LSU kicks off in late September, Phase 3 would mean 75% capacity, which means LSU could approach 77,000 uh, seats, fans, in Tiger Stadium for this college football season. Well, the governor told AP reporter Melinda Delat quote, a lot of aspirational statements are being made talking about fans in the stands for Tiger Stadium or that number. He also said it's, quote, too early to call uh, on what Tiger Stadium might look like with the potential fans in the stands. Um, It will be interesting to see who wins out there because at the risk of getting somewhat political, you are talking about a Democratic governor in a predominantly Republican state. And certainly, LSU being the lifeblood of Baton Rouge and the economy, not just LSU football, but the university as a whole, and many of John Bell Edwards' biggest supporters, obviously, are big supporters of LSU. There's no f- uh, secret that fans in the stands are something LSU wants and needs, and something that the governor will be able to, to directly uh, influence. So. How that plays out, of course, it's Louisiana. Why wouldn't politics be bleeding into every other facet of our life? But how that uh, factors out is going to be interesting clearly over the next six or seven weeks. But that is a decision ultimately that is going to come down to the governor in consultation with LSU and how those phases of reopening are interpreted. So the governor said uh, coy uh, about fans in the stands in Tiger Stadium, but said a lot of uh, aspirational statements are being made. Uh, we'll get more info as we move along, but anytime the governor speaks on that, it's certainly worth listening because obviously the governor and then uh, city parish officials will have the final say about large gatherings like that. Okay, it is the Locked on LSU podcast. Regardless of whether or not there are fans in the stands at Tiger Stadium, one superstar has said he will play. We'll tell you who next. Locked On LSU, your team every day. Locked On LSU is brought to you by Rock Auto, Rock-A-U-T-O, All the parts your car will ever need. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. Everything from Ford, Fiat to Ferrari. Or if you're looking for a Daewoo or a Dodge, they've got you at Rock Auto. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, you like to work on your car, you like to tinker, maybe you just don't feel like getting out to pull apart, hoping they have what you need. Or if you just don't feel like getting out to a store amid COVID, it's a great opportunity to have the parts your car needs delivered to your doorstep with an unlimited supply, get to the website at rockauto.com, rockauto.com. You can type in the part number in the search at the top, and it'll spit it out, or you can search by make, year, model, etc., to narrow down the exact part you're looking for. It's Rock Auto, reliable selection, amazingly low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com, rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you at checkout. We continue, on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona. Glad to have you hanging out with us here. Please subscribe to the podcast if you have done so yet. We know that Jamar Chase will not be among the players sitting out for 2020. The reigning Bulletnikoff Award winner, his father gave an interview with uh, Go 24 uh, Seven. Jimmy Chase did and said of his son, "quote He's going to play the season out. He's locked in with his team, and as long as everybody is healthy." He said he wants to play with his team and his teammates. He just loves the game, and he loves LSU. He wants to finish his career out in a positive manner. So this has obviously become a major talking point of late with NFL opt-outs. There were several uh, uh, notorious NBA and MLB opt-outs, but now it has started to bleed into college football as expected, Virginia Tech cornerback Caleb Farley announced he won't play. Uh, Minnesota wide receiver Rashad Bateman, who is a projected first-round draft pick, has also declared his intentions that he will not play. And Penn State linebacker, Micah Parsons has also said he will skip his junior season and they will all just get ready for the NFL draft. They won't risk a potential shutdown amid COVID, a delayed season, or what may come. Those very prominent players have announced they won't play in 2020, but Jamar Chase says he's not taking that route. He's going to play. Jimmy Chase went on to tell Go 24 7 quote, when I bring it up, he's like, Dad, I don't even want to talk about it. I have to respect his decision on it. He's the one that's playing. Um, as for anything that might change Jamar's mind Jimmy Chase said quote not really not really if I can't have the conversation with him Jamar's one of the people if he has his mind made up he's stuck with it you know uh, of course he's a six foot 208 pound Louisiana native who went to Rummel in New Orleans uh, was certainly a, a heavy heavy uh, Heavily recruited by Florida and everybody in the country. Ultimately signed with LSU and won the Bolitnikoff in his junior season with 84 catches, 1,780 yards, 20 touchdowns, averaged more than 21 yards a catch, which is just absolutely ludicrous. And he became the first unanimous All-America wide receiver in LSU history. It's absurd that Josh Reed wasn't in his Bolitnikoff season, but it's what has happened there. So Jamar Chase uh, recently in the 24-7 top 50 rankings for college football in 2020, has been named the fourth-best player behind only Trevor Lawrence, Panay Sewell, and Justin Fields. So Jamar Chase, a projected first-round pick, says he will play his junior season at LSU regardless of the COVID outbreak. And that is fantastic news for Miles Brennan, for Steve Ensminger, for Scott Linehan, and everyone else as this LSU offense tries to best what it did or uh, complement what it did. In 2019, someone else who's likely going to help LSU is running back Chris Curry and Ed Ogeron gushed about Curry on Tuesday. We'll talk about that next. Locked on LSU, your team every day. With an LSU roster that has so many questions already answered. Running back seems to be the one that keeps popping up in every conversation we have when people ask who's going to be the starter. I mean, think about it. We know Miles Brennan's going to be the starting quarterback. We now know Liam Shanahan is going to be the center, and so the rest of the offensive line falls in place with Chase and Hines at Edna Ingram as your guard and Dare Rosenthal and Austin Deculis as your tackles. We know Rick Gilbert's going to be your starting tight end. We know Jamar Chase. We know your top three receivers with Chase and Marshall and McMath. On the defensive side of the ball, we know all of that as well. Some people seem to think there might be an open spot opposite Derek Stingley, but it seems like that's going to be Cordell Flott and then we'll figure out how other guys fit in, like Jay Ward and, of course, Elias Ricks. But overall, we have all these answers to questions on this roster, except running back, because you have three returning guys that are all very talented, and an incomer who's also very talented, but none, a newcomer, incoming freshman, who, but none of which have done much on the field. But the more you hear people talk about Chris Curry, the more it becomes clear that's the guy that they're leaning on. And I want to re- I want to re- reference something that was written a few months back. If you remember, our friend Jeff Marks did a piece that ran in a three-part series in The Advocate on the relationship between Joe Burrow and Ed Ogeron. And in this piece, it was... Divide into three parts. Recruiting Joe, Joe sort of winning the starting job, and then obviously the 2019 season winning the championship. Well, in that third piece, there's a part where they talk about, where Jeff writes about LSU getting ready to play the, the college football playoff semifinal against Oklahoma, and Clyde Edwards-Elair had injured his hamstring, And the question was who was going to start at running back. Now, the point that Jeff was writing about was about Burrow's influence in making this decision. But the point I want to reference is who Burrow lobbied for. Let me read a brief excerpt, which will underscore the point. LSU had two heavily recruited freshmen, Tyron Davis Price and John Emery, waiting in the wings. Conventional wisdom pointed to one of them. Joe Burrow did not. He wanted redshirt freshman Chris Curry and privately spoke up for him. Curry had barely played in two seasons. He was fourth string, but Joe felt he had earned the opportunity in practice. Quote, Chris was a scout team guy all year, and he never stopped fighting, Joe says. He didn't get discouraged. All he did was work really, really hard. I wanted to reward that, and I'm glad the coaches felt the same way. He goes on. Curry got the start, and the selection worked out well. He displayed an impressive combination of flash and physicality, rushing for 90 yards on 16 carries. LSU dominated from start to finish and left Atlanta with a 63-28 blowout win. Joe Burrow, before the college football playoff semifinal. Went to his coaches and lobbied for Chris Chris Curry. That screams volumes about Curry. With that nugget tucked away in the back of my head, I've always thought of that. And with that there, listening to Ed Ogeron today talk about Chris Curry made that even more impactful. Listen to what Coach O said today. I expect to break out here. Hmm. I think that and and Talking to Steve and talking to Kevin, they really like the work that put in. We really like the attitude that Chris has brought to our football team. Uh, you think about he's all about a candidate for number 18. He would be one uh, for sure because of his integrity wow. to what he's done. You know, most, most guys would have, would, have, would have transferred. And, uh, you know, Chris was from Florida. He didn't give us any Not a, one excuse Stayed here and say, Coach, I got you. Watch what happens when I get my turn. And he was right integrity, candidate for number 18. Most guys would have transferred. Chris never thought about it. He said, Coach, I got you. Wait till I get my chance, and I'll show you. And he was right. You have the two most important people in LSU football lobbying for Chris Curry, Joe Burrow and Ed Ogeron, one of them's the head coach. When you look at numbers last year, Ty Davis Price had 64 rushes for 295 yards and six scores. Curry and Emory were what-and-what. Curry had 38 carries. Emory had 39. Curry had 189 yards. Emory had 188. Curry didn't score. Emory scored four times. But Curry, to me, seems poised to be the next great LSU story. Like Clyde Edwards-Elair, who last year nobody was thinking, but he thought he'd be a first-round pick or an all-SEC back. Come on, y'all. Everyone was excited to see the freshman. And look at the season Clyde had. A year before that, here comes Nick Brissett, who, who waited his turn, tore his ACL as a freshman, patiently waited behind Leonard Fournette, Darius guys, finally got his chance to be the guy and had a thousand yard season. Awesome. And typically at LSU, you know, with less, they rotated so many backs. Guys played like Ware, Hilliard, Ford, Blue. Even when they had all those guys, everybody ate. I mean, there have been occasions where, like, Jakari Gore or, you know, recently, Leonard Fournette, guys in that position have transfer, but that's been the exception. Most guys have stayed and maybe left early for the draft or whatever it may be. But I think all three of those running backs are going to play and play a lot this year. But I think Chris Curry, based on what guys like Joe, what Joe Burrow said about him, what Ed Ogeron said about him, he's the guy that looks like he's poised to emerge, and he is going to be the guy that gets the first carry of the season for LSU. And I hope he has a big year. All right, that'll do it for us here on another edition of the Locked on LSU podcast. Please subscribe however you listen to your podcast. We appreciate it until tomorrow. Locked on LSU, your team every day.